today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Here's the thing. Like Moses, if we're honest with ourselves, we're just as prone to cover up the fading glory of not being in the presence of the Lord and spending time with the Lord. Oftentimes, the light and glow of having spent time with the Lord will fade over time. And this happens when we don't have that time in God's Word. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Have you spent time with God today? We might squirm if someone asks us that question, not just because we didn't read our Bible that day, but mainly because we don't want to appear ungodly in front of others. In today's message, Pastor J.D. shares how you don't have to wear a veil. Jesus can remove it and write a new chapter in your life. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. with his continuing study, The Living Letter of My Christian Life. Today we'll finish chapter 3, Lord willing, and our text will be verses 7 through 18. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing to the church in Corinth and says in verse 7, Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not, verse 8, the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And, verse 11, if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who, verse 13, put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But, verse 14, their minds were made dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Today's teaching will be part two of a series I've titled, The Living Letter of My Christian Life. For the benefit of those who were not with us, our approach to this chapter was a little bit different than what we usually do, because I decided to 
teach this chapter by posing specific questions related to both how and what my Christian life would read like as a living epistle of Christ. This, of course, presupposes that we see our lives in that manner. And by that I mean that people are reading our lives. We are a living letter. What does that letter say? What does the letter of J.D.'s life say? How would the letter of my life read? What would the chapter headings be? How many chapters would there be? And what would be in those chapters? Well, that's the question really that is before us from the text that we have before us today. Our first question is in verses 7 through 13, which is this. Do I pretend to be godlier than I really am? In other words, when the letter of my life is read, does that letter shed me in the most favorable light? In verses 7 and 8, Paul tells them that the face of Moses had a transitory glory, whereas the ministry of the Spirit, by contrast, will be even more glorious. And in verses 9 and 10 he says, there's no comparison to the glorious ministry bringing righteousness with the ministry bringing condemnation, speaking of the law, which we talked about last week. The letter of the law kills but the Spirit gives life. In verse 11 he then says that if what was transitory came with glory, and it did, how much greater is the surpassing glory of that which will last, speaking of Jesus Christ. In verses 12 and 13 he says that since we have such a hope, we're very bold. As if to say it comes packaged with this holy boldness because of it. And it's because we're not like Moses whose glory was passing away, which it did. It's very interesting to me that Paul would draw upon, as is the case many times with the Apostle Paul, he'll draw upon the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and such is the case here with the account found in Exodus 34, concerning Moses. It's interesting to me for two reasons, the first of which is that Moses put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at him while the radiance and the glow was beginning to fade away, this after he had been in the presence of God on Mount Sinai receiving the law, the Ten Commandments. Just by virtue of Moses being in the presence of God, there was this glow, this afterglow, if you will. And when it started to fade, he didn't want the Israelites to see that the glory was fading. So he put the veil over his face to keep the Israelites from noticing that the glory of God was fading from him. He didn't want them to know, and so he 
covers his face with this veil, as if to say to them, I'm protecting you from the glory of God, which I possess. (laughs) And that was the implication, and it's in the account, and I want to read Exodus 34, verses 33 through 35. You wouldn't think of this when you think of Moses, the meekest man who ever walked on the face of the earth. Moses, this man of God. Yet we see another side to Moses here. It says in verse 33, and when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again, and he went in to speak with him. What's Moses doing here? He's trying to cover up the fading glory. He's trying to present himself disingenuously, I might add, to the children of Israel, sort of to give them the impression that he has the glory of God, this glow about him, this radiance, this reflection of him, because he had been in the Lord's presence, unlike them. Here's the thing, like Moses, if we're honest with ourselves, we're just as prone to cover up the fading glory of not being in the presence of the Lord and spending time with the Lord. Oftentimes the light and glow of having spent time with the Lord will fade over time. And this happens when we don't have that time in God's Word and that time in God's presence. The psalmist writes that in your presence, O Lord, is found fullness of joy. This is that time that we should be oh so protective of in our Christian lives. For some it's early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. For those who are not morning people, (laughs) maybe that's not the best time. Maybe there's another time during the day where you just set it aside, and that is a sanctified time where it's just you and the Lord, and you don't check your emails, and you turn your phone off, and it's just you and the Lord. And I'll tell you something, that is the lost jewel in the Christian life in this day and age in which we live. But we're always so quick to shed ourselves in a more favorable light. I think of the contrasting Proverbs as a great example of this. You know the Proverbs that contrast the righteous with the wicked. The Proverbs that contrast the wise with the foolish. And is it not true when we're reading the Proverbs, the contrasting Proverbs, and we come across one of those Proverbs that says, the righteous do this, but the wicked do this. And we respond with, 
those wicked, evil sinners. I just can hear the footsteps of the prophet Nathan, like when he came to David and said, you are that man. You think you're the righteous? You think you're the wise? No, you're the fool. You're the wicked. But we surely don't want anyone else to know that. That's why when we are on our way to church and somebody cuts us off in traffic and our sanctification flees from us, and then we pull up to the church parking lot only to find that somebody has parked in your spot. (gasps) But then we put on that veil, that smile, to cover up (laughs) the sanctification that not only faded, but fled from us. Because we always want to present ourselves as being more spiritual than we really are. And sometimes we even go as far as presenting ourselves as being what I call hyper-spiritual. Hyper-spiritual. And it's disingenuous at best, it's dishonest at worst. And this is what Paul is saying here. We don't have to be like that. We don't have to be like Moses and cover the fading glory because God's grace, keyword grace, is infinitely more glorious and it never fades in Christ. As we're about to see, it's Jesus Christ who takes that veil away. And there's no need for the veil anyway. So Lord, take it away. Another reason that I find this most interesting is because Moses is a type of Christ. And by that I mean there's a picture painted on the canvas of Old Testament Scripture that points to the person of Jesus Christ. We call it typology. Moses points to the person of Jesus Christ, not just the person of Jesus Christ, but the finished work on the cross of Jesus Christ. As it's been said, the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. When I have an understanding of the Old Testament, it just makes the New Testament like 3D IMAX. And I think it's a tragedy that the pulpits are silent today concerning the richness of the Old Testament. What if I told you that from Genesis 1 throughout the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, it all points to the person of Jesus Christ. Because see, Jesus Christ fulfills the Old Covenant in the New Covenant. And when we were in Genesis, we saw Jesus there. (laughs) When we were in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, by the way, Yahshua, a type of Christ. Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. The entirety of the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus Christ, and Moses points to the person of Jesus Christ. What follows, it's not exhaustive, 
are, I think I have 21 of them. I shortened it in the interest of time, because if I would have told you I had a hundred of these, you would have just sighed and (laughs) thought to yourself, oh my goodness, we're going to be here a while. I think I have 21 of them. I'll go through them real quick. This is how Moses is a type of Jesus Christ. Moses was their mediator because of Israel's sin, and so too is Jesus our mediator because of our sin. Moses reconciled the Israelites to God, just as Jesus reconciles us to God. Moses, of course, was born as a Jew. Jesus was born as a Jew. Moses was born while the Egyptians ruled over the Jews. Jesus was born while the Romans ruled over the Jews. Moses was born, then Pharaoh, to eliminate the entire Hebrew race, had the Hebrew boys cast into the Nile save Moses to their certain death. Just as when Jesus was born, Herod would have all of the Jewish boys, two years and younger, killed because the king was born, (laughs) the king of the Jews. Moses, we're told, was fair when he was born. Jesus was and is the fairest of 10,000. Moses was rejected by his brothers, just as Jesus was rejected by his brothers. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. By the way, 40 in Scripture is the number of judgment. 40 is the number of judgment. Moses fasted 40 days when receiving the law, Jesus fasted 40 days when he was tempted to break the law. Moses became a shepherd for his father-in-law. Jesus became the good shepherd for his father. Moses set them free from the bondage of Egypt. Jesus sets us free from the bondage of sin. Egypt in Scripture is a type of the world. And Moses was the deliverer, delivering them out of Egypt, just as Jesus delivers us out of this world. Moses worked miracles. Jesus worked miracles, many miracles. Moses, interesting, sent out 12 to spy out the land. Jesus sent out 12 disciples to go throughout the land. Moses had 70 elders to stand by him. Jesus had 70 men that were taught by him. Moses washed the feet of Aaron and his sons. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Moses glowed on Mount Sinai. Jesus was transfigured on Mount Hermon. Moses constructed the tabernacle. Jesus was the tabernacle. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. By the way, before I do the rest of these, there are so many interesting details in Scripture, and this is why. And one such detail is that when Moses had finished the tabernacle, he cried out, It is finished. Interesting detail. 
Why? Because it would point to the Savior on the cross. When the work of the cross was complete, he cried out, it is finished. This was the tabernacle, the tabernacle, the fulfillment of the tabernacle. And it is finished. Moses had to die before Israel could enter the promised land, just as Jesus would have to die so that we could be born again to enter heaven. And lastly, Moses had to put the veil on his face when the glory faded away. Jesus took that veil from our face, and now the glory will never fade away. This brings us to our second question. It's in verses 14 through 18. Do I reflect the image of Christ? When the letter, not if, when the letter of my life is read, does it reflect Christ? Is it about Christ? Or is it all about me? In verses 14 through 16, Paul tells them that to this day, The veil remains whenever the Old Covenant is read, because only Christ can take that veil away. In verses 17 and 18, he says, there's freedom where the Spirit is. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Now, sadly, with all due respect to our Pentecostal brethren, this has been taken out of context. So where the Spirit is, there is freedom to bark in the Spirit, laugh in the Spirit, be slain in the Spirit, and you just fill in the rest of the blanks. That is absolutely not what this is saying. And this, by the way, happens to be one of the go-to verses. When you're in a setting like that, and now please, this is not to throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater. There is a place for the gifts of the Spirit today in the church. They have not ceased. We talk about this, the false teaching of cessation, where the gifts some believe and teach have ceased. That is absolutely not the case. The gifts have to be exercised decently and in order. So there's no such thing as, while the Spirit was moving, we didn't even have time to get into the Word of God. Oh, really? What Spirit was that? Because I know in my own personal experience, anything that keeps me away from the Word of God, that's not the right spirit. It's been said that sin will keep you from the Bible, and the Bible will keep you from sin. That's all we have time for today on In Spirit and Truth. If you'd like to listen to today's message, head to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the Listen tab. You'll also have access to a number of other teachings by Pastor J.D., as well as his weekly Aloha Prophecy Updates. You can download our mobile app to take these teachings with you wherever you go. Learn more about In Spirit and Truth and Pastor J.D. at our website and also on Twitter. We'd love to have you join the conversation there. We'd also love to meet you in person as well and would like to invite you to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. 
We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and also on Thursdays at 7 p.m. And you'll find more information at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. Before we end today, Pastor J.D. has an encouraging word to share with you. It is such a blessing for me personally to be able to share God's Word with you on each edition of our In Spirit and Truth radio broadcast. Also, I'm so very thankful that you've tuned in to listen. The book of 2 Corinthians provides us a much-needed reminder of how divine power is realized in our human weakness. Sadly, though, this is not a popular topic today because, as one so aptly said it, the gospel does not ride on health and wealth, but on weakness. The ministry of the Spirit is not one of splash and flash, but of meekness and weakness. It's for this reason that 2 Corinthians has become one of my favorite books in the Bible. Not only does it provide us with the key to living victorious Christian lives, it also provides us practical application concerning how we treat other believers in our lives. It's my hope and prayer that you will be as encouraged and blessed by this book as I was. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth Radio. 